A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday. It must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode and a look back at Joss Whedon's iconic shows. I'm MC and I'm here with... It's Andy. It's David. And it's Jan. And this week we're talking about Earshot, which is episode 18 of season three. It was directed by Regis Kimball and written by Jane Espenson. It originally aired on September 21st, 1999, but just to get the elephant out of the room, it was originally supposed to air on, I believe it was April 27th. I actually found some conflicting information about this. It's like, oh, it was supposed to air on April 24th, or it was supposed to air on April 26th. And I looked at a calendar and I'm like, okay, guys, like April 27th was the Tuesday. (laughs) So, (laughs) right. Yeah. But yeah, just get this out right away. This episode was supposed to air one week after the Columbine High School massacre. Both the WB and Joss Whedon were like, this episode, the subject matter is not appropriate so soon after such a horrible tragedy which buffy had a couple of problems like that there was two episodes this season postponed at least in the states there was this one and graduation day part two was also postponed uh i i got to see it uh when it was scheduled i was gonna say i i I remembered that it actually aired in canada but not here so yeah, people were trading tapes or trying to find people that had tapes. I mean, the graduation day, we can talk about that when yeah. we talk about that later. That one, I was like, really? This one, I was sort of like, yeah, this is probably not a good yeah. time for that. Yeah, and Joss yeah. uh, understood this one. Uh, he did not understand graduation day. And I believe his exact comments on graduation day part two was pirate the sucker. Right. Yes. Right. But yeah, this one, I do. It will talk about it when it when it comes up because... This is a very sensitive episode, uh, though also in terms of postponing Buffy stuff, they also, at the same time that this was coming out, they were supposed to do a book called The Evil That Men Do by Nancy Holder. It was supposed to come out at the same time, also dealt with a shooter. It was delayed Ooh. until July of 2000 because oh, of wow. the subject matter. Oh. I've not read that one. I, I didn't read... I'd say a lot of the Buffy novels that came out. I read some of them. I didn't read many. I, I like I read the Tales of the Slayer, which are all short stories, and I love those, and I highly recommend those. I found them all on like used on uh, Amazon Marketplace or something, and actually have them all again now. But the yeah, I tried to read a couple of the Buffy tie-in books, and I wasn't no uh, no. But anyways, so uh, we get into the episode, and Buffy is fighting against the scabby demons because these demons never actually get named nope they're just called scabby i just demons. put them down as icky demons because they were really kind of gross and bizarre. i love them because they're like so weird looking but also vaguely silly all at the same time yeah like they're well designed they're yeah. great creature suits they're also like super silly looking and i like that sort of 
It's one of the reasons why we love Buffy, because there's that balance between cool and silly. Yeah, uh, mm. there's actually in the episode Judgment on Angel, you see one of these demons in Caritas, which mm-hmm. I find, well, I mean, I get it that, you know, they just reuse costumes from old things. We've talked about them doing that before. But I find the idea of a telepathic, mouthless demon in a karaoke bar to be so funny. <laughs> That is, yeah, I like that. That's good. Yeah. Well, maybe he's just there for the ambience. You never know. Maybe he's singing along in his head. That's true. I think there's a nice little Red Riding Hood illusion with Buffy in that red coat, and she's like stumbling, and but actually like using herself as bait. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like the Buffy using herself as bait, and this opening's just really good. Like, I mean, it's just kind of a simple little fight, but then you get little scene of the blood seeping into her hand and i'm like it's it's ominous it set things sets things up yeah i thought it was just a little it felt a little lackluster to me it just it just it's it didn't have the energy that a typical pre-credit scene does on buffy it just felt like not uh you know, energetic enough i yeah, guess yeah no uh, yeah. i understand it yeah. felt like it did what it was supposed to do so exactly. I, I didn't really worry that much about it yeah it wasn't the most like engaging or you know spectacular fight but it, that wasn't the point of it i guess yeah. So. perfunctory yeah 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 but i did like the scene of like the blood seeping into buffy's hand yeah oh, yeah they did that yeah. very well when is something actually functory <laughs> <laughs> like if i do something because it's like or for that matter post-functory right or post-functory right sorry i got maybe that's not how the word works (laughs) (laughs) sorry i got a little buffy on you there for a second yeah wait when is something actually dysfunctioning yeah Um, that is very buffy yeah uh but Um, yeah it's just a quick scene and then we get the opening credits and the next scene is um finding out what's going on with the mayor uh, and may I just say, I really wish that the scene had started earlier and that we'd actually gotten to see Giles, Oz, and Xander researching alone. It just strikes me as such an odd combination. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Well, Xander would be driving Giles crazy. Yes. Oz would just be... Oz. <laughs> Giles would be appreciative of Oz just being Oz. Okay. I, I mean, I'll p- put this out there now. I mean, I'm sure I'll be mentioning it many times over this episode, but... Oz is so good in this episode. Like, oh, he's yeah. fabulous. He's I, so fabulous. I think Jane particularly gets Oz's voice. You know, that's interesting because I listened to her commentary and she said he's really hard to write for. But and he might, she might have actually said that Joss rewrote a good deal of Oz's stuff. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I know that Joss did rewrite a good deal of this episode. Yes. But I, I find that I like Oz in Jane's episodes. So mm-hmm. I find that I like Jane's episodes. Well, yeah, there is mm-hmm. that too. I like she Jane's has episodes. this great balance of like, Jane always brings a really zingy humor and she is often tasked with writing some of the funnier episodes. Yeah. But she also is like a natural comedy. She mm-hmm. leans into that natural comedy and wit and everything is still really sincere while being just a little more funny. And I do think yeah. that she is really great at separating character voices mm-hmm. um, and making people sound different. Yeah. Like yeah. She, her dialogue is not like it couldn't be interchanged. Yeah. You know, person to person. Yeah. Um, yeah. She really writes, she's great at writing very specific character voices on all the shows she's yeah. done. Yeah. 
and the comedy so isn't would... just there to be comedy. It it rises out of the characters. Yes. It 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 works the way it should work. It's not just throwing jokes in. Yeah, and I think in this episode, especially everybody's voice is like very true to themselves. Like everybody's very very themselves as compared to like what Andy was just saying about you know being interchanging dialogue. I think mm-hmm. everybody here just shines in general. So. Joss did do a rewrite on this, and he he did write two specific scenes. Uh, and when we'll get to them, I'll, I'll mention them. I note this episode does have a commentary by Jane Espenson on the DVD, which I unfortunately could not watch because my season three DVDs, one of the discs is broken, and it happens to be this one. Aww. Oh, no. Oh, I, I did watch it with the commentary. It was interesting. <laughs> And this is another Oz moment I'm going to mention, but not really an Oz moment. But when Willow and Buffy come in, I really love the casual affection between Oz and Willow. And for some reason, I noticed it in this episode more than any other. There's just a lot of them touching each other, just like Hmm. for no reason other than the fact it's like, hey, I like you. Willow tends to do this with her love interests, I think, more than any of the others, where they'll just casually touch when they're not the center point of the action. Like Buffy and her love interests, they tend to only be affectionate when it's the centerpiece of the scene where it's like they're having a romantic moment. And I've never, Xander and Anya seem to mostly be about fighting with each other, but Mm. Willow and Oz and then later Willow and Tara are always kind of very affectionate with each other, even if it's not like a centerpiece. I wonder if that's an alley thing. It might be. I'd have to watch How I Met Your Mother again to see if she does it with, you know, like Marshall a lot. I think they do. It might just be like Allie's not like, you know, actors always bring yeah. a little of themselves to a character yeah. and she might just be someone that's like very affectionate with her romantic partner. Yeah, And I, I mean, even if she doesn't do it on How I Met Your Mother, it could have just been Allie was like, this is the this kind is of Willow. character Willow. Or Willow. Yeah, yeah. Willow yeah. is mm-hmm. this kind of person yeah. that wants to be. And Seth and Allie have known each other since they were kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they're probably yeah. really comfortable together. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they do. They have such a, you know, like very not you know in your face but it's just a very nice quiet affection between the two of them and it always comes through so oh i I really noticed it in this episode where it's just like they keep on touching each other's arms and at one point like oz puts his hand behind his back to like hold to touch willow's hand while she's walking behind him and it's just like oh my god so cute so cute (laughs) we're trying to find out about the ascension and it's not the ritual flaying of the demon azrath darn (laughs) It's so funny watching this because I've been bouncing around on Buffy and Angel and I've just watched a couple of season five episodes of Angel. (laughs) Coming back and seeing Wesley like this. Oh, God, yes. Alexis is such a great, subtle comedian. Like he gets some of that on Angel, but as Angel gets darker and Wesley gets darker, you lose that just a little bit. But yeah, he's really great. He's just got he's really funny guy. Yeah. Can we yeah, talk I, about I the clothes him. in this episode? Because like every third note of mine is how cute Buffy looks. Oh, Buffy looks. Yeah, me too. Through I, the entire, I think this is the best she looks in an episode. Like every single piece of things she wears, and every single piece is really classic and doesn't. Besides the shoes, don't doesn't look dated. 
it's sort of, I don't want to say it screams 90s, but it's like, I remember people wearing that in the 90s, but it's it's like classic 90s as compared yeah. to like weird, like like trendy stuff that went out in like three months. So, and I right. think I she mean, looks fabulous. The, she got, really did. Got the strappy tank tops, which is very 90s, but like those very classic pencil skirts, mm-hmm. like that gray and black outfit she has through a lot of it is mm-hmm. like, you could wear that now and people wouldn't be like, oh, it's so 90s. Cause it's like, oh, yeah. I just think, Sarah looks so amazing in this and the costumes, her costumes in this episode are like my favorite set of costumes of all episodes, probably of all time. I did note a couple of the outfits and once we finally get to, they're later in the episode, but once we get to them, Mm. but yeah, no, she looks fab in this episode. Yeah, she's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. And Wesley is an ass and Giles is a petty bitch. Right. Yeah. And I, I made a note here about I really love the dick waving between Giles and, and Wesley yeah. because it was just like, you know, let, let's see who can one up. And, and it was just I wanted to smack them both. But it was I, good. Giles. But, it's Giles. Giles has the bigger dick. Of yeah. just holding that teacup up and it's like the demon Azeroth, you say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Giles, bigger dick. I can guarantee yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. My mind yeah. anyway. Yeah. My, my, mind. my note is basically. If Wesley had been Buffy's watcher originally, she'd be in Cleveland now, wish or no wish. <laughs> <laughs> she'd be dead now. Well, yeah, there is that too. Well, that too, but well, she had a watcher before. Well, I mean, yeah. would you rather be dead or in Cleveland? So, <laughs> question. There's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the next scene, and Oz suddenly disappears. Like, I found it really like they go from the library and. All of the kids leave, go into the hallway, and all of a sudden Oz is not there at all. He's gone into stealth mode? I don't know. I guess. He uh, had shit to do. Yeah. He had to go pee? <laughs> Maybe it's just because I'm hypersensitive to when Seth Green is on screen. But it just right. felt jarring to me that he was just gone. And we get Buffy talking about seeing Angel. Now, granted, I get that this is something that Buffy does a lot. But I'm a little bothered by the fact that she's more bothered by seeing Angel with faith than she was seeing Angel pretend to be evil. True dat. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I guess it's just a teenage thing. But frankly, I'd be more disturbed about seeing my boyfriend pretending to be the guy who tried to murder me for a year. than about. And then I had to murder. Yeah. Than him kissing some other girl. But, like, Buffy is so weird. Well, Buffy's shit when it comes to Faith and her boyfriends, let's face it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Truth, truth, truth. Yeah. And, you know, listen to Willow. Communication. Yeah. And it's not like Angel won't talk to you. Right. So, And in this scene, by the way, I want to note that the guest star credits come up and Danny Strong makes it into the upfront credits. He does! Yay! So, that was nice to see. We will definitely be talking about Danny Strong. Uh, later in this episode but one thing i'll say now is that when jane got this episode like i guess they kind of do like a rough bare bones of what the episodes are and then they the writers get assignments that's like you're going to do the episode with the swim team monsters or whatever but yeah they they break the the entire season down they they break it and then they distribute it portion it out yes yeah but when Jane got this episode and it's like, you're going to have Buffy being the telepath and however they broke it down. Her immediate response was, I need Danny Strong as Jonathan in this. 
Like, it, it, oh. he needs to be a focal point of this. So, and I mean, if you look at Jane Espenson's episodes, she does a lot of stuff with Jonathan. Mm-hmm. She loves him. She does. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. loves, that's her favorite, favorite, favorite. I think she said it. It's her favorite character. Good reason. I mean, we love Jonathan here on this podcast. Right. We do. Yes. we do love Jonathan and we very much love Danny. Yes, we do. And uh, we just get a quick appearance from Percy. Uh <laughs> still being very nice to Willow because he's afraid of her. <laughs> but I, I thought that was actually a really good callback to what happened to Doppelgangerland. Yeah. So I, I just, I was really, that, that made me laugh because it was like, oh, that's good. She's still, you know, she's still got him under her thumb and he deserves it. So. And, and we're also introduced to Hogan Martin, who is, I guess, like the big shot on the basketball team. He and real tall. He real yeah. tall. And I mm. like Hogan Martin. <laughs> Like he seems like like he's a jock, but he's just a really nice guy. Yeah, I mean the fact mm-hmm. that he he's like you know yo what's up hey Xander hey this was that it was like surprising. It's not like oh I'm I'm so cool I can't talk to these nerdy kids yeah. kind of things. Apparently Jane named him after someone she went to school with. Yeah, a gymnast. She so went she to just loved. With. She thought the name was so great. It's a good <laughs> name, and I th- I mean it's been years since I watched the commentary. But I believe that Jane said that she was actually really sorry that they introduced him and, like, Nancy so late in the high school years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was sorry that they couldn't do more with them because they came in. You know, Nancy, the actress that plays Nancy, was on another show with Sarah. Oh, really? Swan's Crossing. Really? Oh, my God. That my (laughs) friends and I used to read for filth. After school, when I was a senior <laughs> in high school, it was such, it was a terrible show. Look it up on YouTube. It's awful. Like, it's just, it's terrible. Um, I, I watched Swan's Crossing. It was, it, it was, was terrible. Uh, yes, it was terrible. Great, yeah. but terrible. Oh, I, I got it so good. It was all, all, so awful. It was good. Maybe I should watch this. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> I promise you it's terrible. Anyway. Um, it, anyway. It's, <laughs> okay, so we get into researching the bad touch that, you know, because. And I do have to give them credit for Buffy scratching her hand throughout the entire beginning of this episode. But I and I really love Sarah's infect, infect, Giles, infect. Sarah's indignancy in this episode is amazing. Like her line readings, her indignant line readings when she's hearing people's thoughts and even spaces like this is just chef's kiss. But yeah, no, it's just a quick scene to just kind of establish the whole aspect of a demon th- thing. Mm-hmm. When it's only in Buffy, because she's not being able to go to the game with them, right? She's sad about that. She's already feeling othered. Yeah. So yeah. all this is doing is just like piling that on. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Then we go to the pep rally, and then there's some more good Oz stuff with the, I always go straight to the I always obits. go straight to the obits. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite. And you know what? He's not making. That's not a joke. That's he. He literally does that. Oh sure. Mm. Oh, I'm sure he does. And of course, we have the. Was it a boy demon? I know for a fact that was like a super common trope in dirty stories. Like, not that I sought them out or anything. I just saw them there. Like, I think I noticed them so much because it's like, wow, I did not realize so many people were interested in this cake. <laughs> that Buffy grew a wing wing. Yes. Is that what the stories are about? I never saw any of those. Yeah, there were there were a lot of them that I saw. Alrighty then. Yeah. From a directorial point, the male gaze of the cheerleaders actually bothered me 
it just felt like there was a lot of like the camera focusing on everybody's breasts and I, I maybe that was just like me being sensitive but it seemed a little bit it just like where the camera was placed it kind of like irked me i can understand that yeah uh but yeah. i think a lot of those scenes were from xander's point of view almost so okay that would explain a lot <laughs> yeah and, and we get a little bit of nice quote-unquote nice oz and xander friendship when he yeah. Xander's like, why was I into Cordelia? Oh my god, Wesley's looking at her. With one of Jane's greatest lines of all time, and one of... She gets the Buffy speak. Jane gets the Buffy speak that sort of Joss pioneered, right? The Pierce Brosnan-y. Yeah. Yes. His yes. filthy adult Pierce Brosnan-y eyes all over her. Yeah. I think Jane has said this one of her very favorite lines she's ever written. And then followed up with Oz's, you're a very complex man, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Because I think, I didn't, you listen to the commentary. Does Jane talk about it there, David? How she, I think she had a little, yeah. like, not a thing, but I think she definitely thought Alexis was a pretty good looking dude. Well, she has eyes, doesn't she? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> True. She doesn't mention that specifically. She does mention that they were a little worried that maybe Pierce Brosnan would not like this, but then they decided he probably doesn't watch Buffy. Probably. <laughs> this is true. And also, like, I mean, who wouldn't want to be compared to Alexis Denisoff? Or have Alexis Denisoff compared to them, I guess, in this right. case. Like, he's... Yeah. Right. I mean, he also, who wouldn't want to be compared to Pierce Brosnan? At this point in time, Pierce Brosnan was... I mean, he's still a yes. pretty good-looking yeah. older guy, but, like, girl, yeah, like my mother are... loved Pierce Brosnan. Wasn't this, like, peak him, James Bond? This was his post-Remington Steel, like, Bond time. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it was a big yeah. deal. So after the pep rally, we get to Buffy looking for horns and not seeing Angel in her reflection. And this is one of those scenes, like, this is a very casual scene where it's, like, I understand why Buffy and Angel... Apocalypses aside, I can understand why they would never actually work as a couple. Mm. <laughs> because they they talk about shop, but and I mean even like later on when they have conversation, they don't really seem to connect on an emotional level. Wow. I got the total opposite in this episode. I thought Angel was actually a pretty good boyfriend. I was in this episode trying to like really communicate with her and she's just not having it i well i mean th this is the thing i actually agree with you angel's very good about it maybe it's because he is you know 200 years more mature than she is is she is he though really <laughs> um. buffy cuts her and i guess this is something that will be repeated in every single one of buffy's relationships buffy is emotionally cut off from angel yeah mm. And, like, at this point, we all, like, chalk it up to, you know, oh, she's a teenager, but we'll just see this pattern repeated on and on and on. And I think Buffy romanticizes her relationship with Angel, but the same problems she has with Riley and Spike later on, she has with Angel. I think Buffy is emotionally cut off from a lot of people a lot of times because she's a child who becomes a young woman, slash young woman, who is... Uh, living with terrible undiagnosed and untreated PTSD at all times. Oh, well, I'm not saying that there's anything. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, not, not that I wasn't trying to say that saltily. I'm just. Basically, if you look at uh, the whole therapy session and conversations with dead people, mm -hmm. Buffy talks about this with Holden about how she 
has problems connecting. But I do think that this is kind of an early sign of how Buffy and Angel, even if the vampire thing wasn't an issue, I don't think that they would have worked out. Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I don't disagree. Me neither. Yeah, I mean, it's always trying to psychoanalyze Buffy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I tried to think it was like, what what would their relationship be based on other than work? Well, well, I mean, like, that's why they're, they're fine talk and chop here. But Buffy is not unable to talk to Angel about her actual feelings. Yeah, it's like work yeah. and just lust, you know, attraction, lust, whatever. But yeah. there's not a lot of it, stuff in common after that. But after that scene, we get the gang at school again. The the line from uh, from Oz the uh, about the expression. I felt one coming on. I won't lie. Just, <laughs> Seth Green's delivery in this episode is just so fucking good. Oh, Seth Seth's terrific in this episode. Yeah, this is just he gets Oz these little the specific match. things to do, but they're perfect. Yeah, I actually feel like if Oz was written like this more, that maybe Seth wouldn't have left because this. Like, he's mm. obviously not a center point of this episode, but he's in it, he's doing things, he is, like, part of the group. He's active. Yeah. 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 And he's he's still part of the main focus, the big main focus, yeah. compared to just, like, you know, somebody in the background, like Nancy or Hogan or whoever. Yeah. So. And I actually think that after everything that happens with Seth leaving the show, I think Joss learns his lesson. And... Anya and Tara are treated more like members of the gang and get more to do. And I think mm. possibly that's because, oh, wow, I had this great actor like Seth and I lost him because I wasn't actually doing anything with him. That's a good point. That's a good point. It's possible. Also, um, did Seth know that Joss was planning on probably killing off Oz or was that like not a consideration at that point? Or Probably not because, I mean, that was still like two seasons away. And I mean, we'll get to it when we get to it. But I, I think there there was debate as to whether or not like Seth would just go back to reoccurring. And then they just kind of decided to, you know, not do that. Uh, yeah, I, I do have one question about this scene that's really bugging me. Willow mentions jumpers and Xander makes a comment about why are you talking about women, an article of women's clothing? What what does that mean? He's talking about ladies, the, the jumpers like. The kind of outfit situation. I, I, I actually had a note about that. Uh, some American versus British. Uh, in, right. In, in well, that's British... that's what I know is that a jumper is a sweater, and yeah. I'm like, that's not female. That, that's, no, no, that's no. The Britain. female jumper is what, what Brits would call a pinafore. It's like it's basically like mm. the dress that you wear over a sweater or over a blouse. Oh, that's I've a never... skirt. Yeah, jumper has two different yeah. meanings depending on which country you're in. Yeah, yep. a jumper in. America is a skirt with like little overall type things, and in the UK, uh, a jumper is a sweater. Yeah. Ah, okay, that's why I was confused. Yeah, yeah, I was actually wondering which one Xander was referring to, and I was like, no, he must mean the dress. He must. He definitely <laughs> means the dress. Uh, yeah. The only Oz line I don't love in this is the wear dog comment. It just, mm. it just seems odd. Well, he was trying to like wonder if it was one of his people. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I had the shirt that Willow is wearing with the <laughs> kitty cat, except mine didn't have the glitter sparkle in the middle. Aww. Yeah, it was super cute. I was super cute in it, just so you know. And I, I was so happy when I found it. I found it at a thrift stop. Nice. Shop. And yes, again, it didn't have the like silver glittery in the middle, but it was the same little cat character. And I was like, oh my God, Willow. 
And I wore it even though it was pink. And we finally get to Buffy finding out what aspect of the demon she's gotten because she hears uh, Xander ask if Cordelia and Wesley have kissed. Okay, sure. Um, yeah. Let's not go too deep into that question. <laughs> but um, I actually, when Buffy starts exploring being a telepath, I like the scene when she's walking through the hallway. I don't really want to go into the mechanics of how telepathy works because oh yeah i'm not sure they know either they're just kind of like no yeah. no no this is definitely like scene specific to telepathy yeah it seemed like all the boys comments were horn dog comments which i get because teenage boys but it was like why i'm sorry teenage girls are just as like horny and like nasty and why was it only the boys that seemed to be given well, all like the perfect no, comments so. no actually there was one girl who did say look at his butt at one point and <laughs> okay yeah but yeah. I think in the first scene, it was like mostly just like, oh, she's got a beautiful body and da da da. And the girls are just like, oh, I don't know. Did I study for the test? And I'm like, oh, come on. Teenage girls are not like that. You know, I don't know what you, who Jane Espenson knew, but I know what my friends were like back yeah, then. No, they were um, I'm sorry. Times. Have you met me? I'm not even a teenage girl anymore. Well, yeah. And I'm always here. horn dogging <laughs> on somebody on this program. Yeah. But also, like, teenage girls, I mean, we all wrote, you know, like, filthy fanfic when we were that age. So it was like, it's not like, we were like pure and prim and proper. Yeah. So. Well, I think that probably she more hears the boys stuff because it's funny. It's the rule of funny. Yeah. It's like, it's funny to hear that. Uh, but yeah, no, I definitely agree. It was kind of, I guess they had to find like a funny thing for like all of the characters. Like, cause mostly the horn dog comments you hear are from Xander. A couple of the guys. Yeah. But mostly it's from Xander and that's, that's his joke. And with Cordy, it's the, Everything that she thinks also comes out of her mouth. Right. Her, her inside voice is her outside voice. Yeah. Which I thought was, that actually thought was brilliant. And, like, and so... you notice, like, yeah, she gets the horn dog comments in the hall, but then when they're all together in the library again, like, the other men in the scene are Giles and Wesley and, okay, Wesley's, Wesley's pretty horny. Wesley's, horn Wesley's, over Wesley's the horn dog. But also Oz, who are not going to be mentally horn doggy nearly as much. Not saying that those two don't have sexual desire, especially no, right. Giles for yeah, me. But then but uh, there was a, it was nice that there was actually some respect towards Buffy, etc. Mm -hmm. So yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Actually, Oz is never gonna horn dog on Buffy in yeah, the library. No, no. But uh, apparently Jane had written a line for Wesley, something along the lines of, oh, if I had a if only I had a statue of Cordelia so that I could touch heaven. <laughs> And, oh and, and, and Joss said, that's ah, a bit much. And she was like, yeah. <laughs> so that didn't go in. That didn't go in the final script. But I thought that was hilarious. I would have gone there. Um, I do love the line when Buffy's proving to Giles she actually is telepathic. It's, if a fashion magazine told her to, she'd wear cat strap to her feet. Even yep. though those shoes aren't really that bad they're like super basic i love that snyder has walk like an egyptian stuck in his mm. head yes like because yes. because literally okay if y'all were able to read my mind like this what you would find is i would think 75 percent of the time it's just me singing mm -hmm. in yep. my head like, yeah, yeah. My, I have and, all the time and I'm thinking so. about how pretty my cat is and how much i love her mm -hmm. But now I realize that that actually gets said out loud. So never mind. 
<laughs> like, wait, never mind. Because I basically just spend all day long going through dozens of songs in my head and singing them out loud as I walk around the house. Well, uh, I mean, like, one of the things I didn't bring up about, you know, I kind of, like, said, let's not get into the, you know, how the telepathy actually works. But let's get into how the telepathy actually works. <laughs> but actually, like, in real life, the way thoughts work, telepathy would be completely useless because people don't think linearly. It's like when you think you're thinking, like, if you try to think about what you're thinking about, things will be linear. But that's not actually how brains work. Uh, so most brains, they are just like little snippets of, you know, like random songs or, oh, my cat's adorable. Or did I leave the stove on? Just like these little things that are all kind of punched together. So if anybody was trying to listen to it from the outside, it would just be garbage. I suspect I could hand wave an explanation for that. But but you're right. Unless you were like literally thinking at somebody specifically, yeah. To like you know, as like a, like the demons might work because if they don't have mouths, they're thinking in actual conversations, mm -hmm. and they're also their demon brains. So who knows? But yeah, humans don't work that way. Well, I actually do have a theory about how the telepathy works for the demon. I, I, it's weird. Um, I had this written for a later part of the episode, but I'll mention it now. In later episodes, forms of telepathy actually do work on vampires. There, there are a couple of scenes. Mm. They're at least able to like take in. I, I can't remember the exact situations, but there, there is some instances of vampire telepathy. So the comments about Buffy not being able to read Angel's thoughts doesn't really bring truth to me. But I have a theory about why she can't hear it. I think Angel's being pretentious about the whole mirror thing. <laughs> who, yep. who, who would ever think that Angel would be pretentious? Um, no, no, no. Well, you know, he's a funny guy. <laughs> I love that line <laughs> reading, by the way. Um, but uh, the demons are telepathically linked to members of their own species. That's mm -hmm. their form right. of communication. Oh, you're so smart. And so Buffy can only hear other humans. So that's why she can't hear Angel. <laughs> Uh, and why she's so why humans are overwhelmed by it because there's so many humans meanwhile there's only a couple of the demons so and also it's their natural communication i always wondered why she just didn't go to crawford street because at least if she i mean yes eventually all the voices from the yeah. world are coming at her but like instead of going home to your mom who has thoughts i mean not that angel doesn't have thoughts <laughs> but you know what i mean yeah. go to me with angel because at least he could take care of you without you being yeah, did by him, you know, mm -hmm. drive a half an hour of town and hang out with Angel for a while until you figured it out. Oh, yeah. But right now, Buffy is enjoying having these thoughts, and so she's going to use it to her advantage in class while learning about Othello. Which, funnily enough, I am actually studying right now in Ooh. my my university class. Um, I haven't actually started to read it yet, but it's like coming up on the syllabus so i'm like oh maybe i should make a note of earshot so that i can <laughs> go back and watch the scene i just throw that out i did think just when they were reword talking about... what buffy says into your paper <laughs> just like a little bit of plagiarism it's Who, me? the one thing i thought was interesting in terms of just big foreshadowing or for the the season is when they were talking about you know that iago is kind of like othello's dark half and i'm like oh yeah let's let's make this a metaphor for faith just yeah. in terms of reflections etc so I, I i'm i'm just glad that what they said about othello wasn't utter bullshit right so <laughs> well this is one of the scenes that joss wrote 
Um, okay. I, I, they went of course through, he did. He's the Shakespeare dude. Yeah, they went through several itinerations <laughs> of it as to what they were going to be studying. I believe... It was some, supposed to be a history class, yeah. I think. Uh, there, it was uh, a history class, and then they went through like several books or plays. I think Catcher in the Rye was going to be yes. one of them. Yes, uh, was... But then Joss is like, we got to tie things back to Buffy and her emotions. So we've got to have it be a fellow because this is how she's feeling about the whole angel faith relationship. Yeah. Uh, and just a small thing. the uh, This is our first scene with Nancy Doyle. Am I the only person who thought that Nancy Doyle was originally supposed to be wish first Nancy? It's just like, yes, I've that. always thought that. Yeah. Always. Mm. I mean, the actresses even kind of look alike like, yep. to the point of I actually did have to look up to see if they were the same person. Like, I'm, they don't actually look alike, but like it had been long enough. They're blonde women. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, Nancy is brunette uh, in. Oh, I don't know. Wishers. I always thought it was the same person. Yeah. Uh, they, no, it is. They, they are different people. And I. Well, I know that now, but yeah. at the time I was like, wait, is she the. No. Yeah. What? They, yeah. they have similar facial structures. And I thought that any difference between them, it's just like, oh, well, maybe it's just because, like, in the Wish First, everybody was dressed down, so she looks different now. But yeah, like, I, I really thought that it was supposed to be. So maybe, maybe they are the same character and they've just, like, had to get a new actress. So. Wouldn't be the first time. So, no, that's always been my kind of. I thought the exact same thing for years. Buffy uses her skills to impress the teacher with her knowledge on Othello by quoting her own thesis. With with the teacher's knowledge of Othello. Yeah, yes, basically screwing back her own dissertation. That was just. I just thought it was really funny. Well, that's the best way to impress a teacher is by having their exact, you know. Same feelings. Oh my God, you agree exactly with my theories. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you are brilliant. And that, that wonderful moment where after like Buffy's answered two questions and Nancy's just looking at her, she finally like, is there anything? Race! <laughs> 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 just trying to, just so she can get it in before Buffy can open her mouth. Yeah. <laughs> so we get Nancy and we also get Freddie, who is, you know, the really moody writer for the paper who was another character that i damn it high school's ending me too, too. yeah he should have been yeah around more. no i mean he's absolutely so pretentious like i wanted to punch yeah. him a little yeah but like he's, yeah I oh. promise. i'm gonna write that down okay oh. i'm so deep you're talking about how pretentious he is all i could think of is like oh my god i would have so had a crush on him when i was in high school <laughs> I saw oh, yeah, I probably him would have too until he opened his mouth. I would have thought no, he was like no, I smart and it. deep. Yeah, I would have gone. Yeah, yeah. We would have listened to the Cure together. Yeah, because he looks like the type. Yeah, yeah. I also look like the type, so mm. you know, I'm not saying that is a bad thing. <laughs> but, yeah, and yeah. I was at that point in my life. I was. I mean, I was like assistant editor of our um, literary magazine, and I wrote for our newspaper. And I was, I was pretentious writer girl at that age too. So yeah, I, I totally not see as it. pretentious as Freddie. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah, I was nerdier, but I tried. I, that's what I'm saying. Dude, I would have gone very unself-aware, pretentious. You can tell just from the little bit, you know. Yeah. After 
Buffy has gotten all of the insecurities stirred up in her again. She decides to go to see Angel so that she can use her powers on him. And yeah, I like Angel in this scene. I have to say, I like in the second half of this season, I like the way Angel is written because I think they're finally really starting to create who Angel is as a character. He's no longer, they're trying to push him past being Buffy's boyfriend into being an actual character mm -hmm. in preparation yeah. for being his on his own show. Yeah. And David can actually act at this point. There is yeah, and looks, really good. I'll look good in that tank top. That too. <laughs> because I'm always the horny thirst trap. Okay. We know this. Yes. It is my role on this podcast. Horny, horny. I do want to point out that at the beginning of the scene, Buffy's kind of a jerk. She's a big jerk. Well, no, 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 no. But I have a specific. She does not close the curtain when she enters the room. She leaves the sunlight just streaming in. Well, she doesn't want him running away. She apologizes <laughs> when she comes in, right? And the sunlight. She, and... she she apologizes for like that, but then she doesn't close the curtain. She <laughs> leaves it open. <laughs> for a moment, I was like, how did he get over to the couch? But I looked and he actually goes far enough that it goes, he can go around it. But that's just like, what? You should know better. The, the, she's trying to manipulate, manipulate him, and it just it really irks me. Whereas he's he's really good in this. He's very yeah. caring and concerned. And she's trying to play all sorts of games, and it's not working, which is actually, that's part of the humor to me. It's just like, he can see what she's doing, and he's not letting her oh, get he, away with he, it. He knows exactly what she's yeah. doing. Yeah, yeah. He just lets, and he just lets her do it. Yeah. <laughs> it actually really reminded me of my relationship which is way more healthy than Buffy and Angel oh, and yeah. age appropriate and all that stuff but my dude is very taciturn and you can't always tell what he's thinking and I'm sort of like what huh what do you and he's like uh-huh Andy I see what you're doing we're good let me go ahead and tell you what I was thinking mm -hmm. awesome thanks dude yeah. so like yeah it was a very relatable moment to me because yeah. I would 100% want to really, use that power it's, it's really like Angel's just going okay get it out of your system Mm -hmm. Just finish? Are you done? Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now I'll talk. <laughs> and and the other thing is that it's like once again she doesn't listen to Willow's advice because early on Willow said just ask him. Yeah. And instead of just asking him, she starts like, oh well, you know, let me try to read his thoughts and it, and it just no. Buffy stop. Well, Angel has actually never been particularly bad about sharing his feelings when Buffy talks to him like an actual person. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no. And and the I'm a funny guy is one of my so I love that line reading so that's that a great much. Line. Yeah. That yeah, <laughs> that kind of hearing that line up back in season 3, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to like Angel's show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um I mean and and actually David Boreanaz is quite a funny guy. He really is. Huh? And yeah. Angel is a funny guy, but he's like unintentionally yeah. funny. Which is and what he, I love on 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 Angel the series yeah. is that so unintentionally funny, but being but David Boreanaz is playing it that way, so therefore David Boreanaz is actually really funny. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. That logic loop. There? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's also nice because it's such a dry line, and he just he does it so like he nails it perfectly deadpan. But yeah. as we get on to the gang finding out about Buffy's powers and all this scene. Ugh scene is just so good <laughs> uh -huh. with Cordelia just everything she in her head just no inside voice just she's just Cordy 
<laughs> right. And, and and Oz's deep philosophical thoughts just make me so happy. Well, <laughs> so apparently good. Joss's notes for uh, <clears throat> he's Joss said for Oz's thoughts, it's write him something that sounds like something Michi would have said in the situation. Yeah. Jane talks about that. She had written something else and she does. The thing that bugs me is it, it, it it's more Cartesian than Nietzschean. Yeah, I was going to say he actually quotes uh, Descartes he, he, towards the he end. He paraphrases yeah. Descartes, yeah. and I'm yeah. like, that's not Nietzsche yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah, so what's the line is something like, I mean, she thinks, I mean, therefore we are. Exactly. And it's like, okay. No, yeah, we think, therefore she is. Therefore she is, right. Well, yeah. it's Descartes. Renee Descartes was drunk in part. Yeah. yeah. She, think, she drinks, therefore we are. Anyway. So you're saying Joss was wrong about something? <gasps> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I'm saying that what got written was not quite what he, not specifically what he suggested. <laughs> but it's also possible that he got it wrong. I don't know, but yeah, that's exactly well, yeah. what he, he said. Because Oz is actual deep, unlike Freddy, who's only like mm -hmm. faux deep. Oz is Oz. It's he I just know, is. perfect. And, and Wesley's thoughts: the I'm a bad bad man. <laughs> <laughs> but what sells it is Sarah's expression when Wesley's having those thoughts. She's just leaning against her hand and just giving him this little smirk. It's so good. Honey. I had a few shut up Xanders because he was just like being oh. gross and yeah. Well, and Xander. Well, in I mean, I know scene, it's. I can understand it because, like, honestly, like the idea of anybody hearing me telepathically scares the fuck out of me. And I oh, bet you. Too. Like this would this is exactly what would happen. And like if somebody could hear your thoughts, you would be like, Oh my god, don't think about their boobs. Don't you know Yeah, you yeah. would immediately think about the one well, thing know. you don't want them to hear. But it is yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's so. exactly yeah, well, I would be Wesley like even points that out. Yeah. Yeah, that's why he's like naked girls, naked buffy. And I mean like <laughs> that that's why the whole uh Giles thing comes up later with Joyce, you know, it's because what yeah. do you not want them to hear? And Right. Xander, like, there are some... I have some major problems with Xander in this episode, but, like, this doesn't bother me. With this storyline, you can't avoid it. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, a big character. It's just, like... I would be thinking the same thing about Buffy that Xander is thinking about <laughs> Buffy in that moment. Because I'm a horny old lady. Nah, I'd be thinking about Giles and Wesley. So. Okay, I would also be thinking about Giles. At that point, Wesley would have bugged the crap out of me and I'd wanted to slap him, but I would certainly be thinking it about Buffy, Oz, and Giles. I was going to say, or excuse Anna. me, Oz is in that room. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. We start to realize that this gift isn't that great because the gang just completely scatters. So it doesn't really work out too well. And Buffy ends up going to the cafeteria and yeah. we really get what's going on. And I love the way that this shot. Did you have your hand? Yeah. yeah. Well, my my anxiety got triggered. Yeah. Like, during that scene in the cafeteria. And it, it hadn't before. But I'm really noise sensitive, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like, I'm my ADHD would not. Like, I get sometimes a little overwhelmed at, like, the supermarket. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Because there's, like, so many people that all of a sudden I was like, no, I know exactly what she's feeling yeah. right now. Yeah. Is, like, the barrage. too much stuff coming, the barrage coming in. And, like, it reminded me a lot of my, when I was still teaching my autistic clients, mm -hmm. right? And just, like, kind of how that must feel. And also people with ADHD have that some 
neurotypical. And I, I, it was, I like, honestly, I was really uncomfortable yeah. during that well, scene. Well, I mean, it was shot really well. Like, cause they do like, it's almost claustrophobic the way they framed Buffy because she's yeah. holding her books. She's all curled up on herself, but the frame's really tight. And in the background, all you can see is bodies of people. And you hear all of the sounds, so it's like they're the way they framed it is to like they have all the sound crushing her in, and they make the 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 frame look like it's crushing her in too, and that's kind of what causes that kind of anxiety to come out in people like us. Hundred percent, there was like my Walmart nightmare. Oh. Yeah, like that scene yeah. was like me yeah. at Walmart at the wrong time of day. Yeah. Oh, and while I'm thinking about it. Shout outs to the sound editors on this one. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because yeah. yeah. no, no one ever says nice things about the sound editors <clears throat> because they just don't think about them. <clears throat> but in this episode, they they are a big part of why this works. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah sound yeah, editing it, it, is one of those things where it's like if it works well, you don't notice it. It's only when mm-hmm. like it goes wrong that it's like, what were they doing? But yes, no, definitely shout them out. Yeah, because it, 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 I was going to use the word, I wrote down claustrophobia there too, because it just really... Like it, it works really, really well. I didn't find it anxiety producing for me, but I, I could see where somebody would. So, and then I had my other note is Jonathan. Yeah, so. we do get this nice <laughs> little moment of Jonathan, and oh my god, just his thoughts of she doesn't even know. No, I'm here. Yeah, oh, my heart. I just wanted to like give him a hug right then and there. I love Jonathan. Jonathan's like one of my weak spots. So. Not not in a romantic way. Just I, I just I love Jonathan. So, yeah. I don't know. I might go there romantically with Jonathan. Like, I, I'm a huge. Back then, I was a huge nerd. Like, I was as much of a nerd as he is. So, yeah. I would definitely yeah. go there romantically. At that age, yes. Danny Strong. Well, yeah. I mean, like, don't know I, about I, Jonathan, but I would definitely because Danny Strong is wicked smart and witty and an incredible yeah. writer and a really cool oh, dude. So I yeah. would. Hundred percent, and of course they also do like dress him down like a lot. They you know put him in yes. these oversized clothes. They spray mm-hmm. him down so he's always looking yeah. sweaty. Yeah, his hair. Like, yeah, his complexion and everything. is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Danny Strong is more handsome than. Donald yeah, I mean he only has like you know one or two lines there, but just like even just the facial expression and the butt. Yeah. I just wanted to like give him a hug and like you know I know Buffy's going through her thing, but it's like Jonathan is standing next to you and you're like and and, and you're completely missing what he's going yeah. through. So so after Buffy collapses and wakes up outside with the Scoobies talking over her. We, we've we now had Buffy here. This time tomorrow I'll kill you all. Is that what the line is? Yeah. Yes. Okay. But yeah, this causes her to pass out and she's moved. And Xander thinks that it might be the lunch lady doing the men with the mulligan stew. And he wants to know mm-hmm. what a mulligan is. A mulligan is a stone soup, but a stew instead. <laughs> it's basically whatever you have thrown into a pot. It was created by homeless people during the Great Depression. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Uh, the and, more you know. Yeah. Uh, it was named uh, Mulligan after it was Irish homeless people. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and this is like the one of the first lines. Buffy tells the gang what she's heard. And this is one of the lines that got the show postponed. Where oh, yeah. Xander's line about idly taking out the school with the semi-automatic. Yeah, and there's the other line that got to me was, was it Oz says bordering oh, on it's, trendy. It's bordering on trendy now, and I just was like, oh. I mean, and, and, and especially it's more loaded now than it was then, but it's still yeah. like, bad. 
I was I was kind of curious because when he said it's trendy, I I would have thought that someone would have said that after Columbine. And I in fact I in fact looked it up and Columbine had the largest school shooting death rate mm-hmm. of like the two years previous. I think honestly, if it was actually more popular back in those days, they wouldn't have made the comment. Yeah. True. They yeah. they made the comment because it did happen, but it didn't seem as serious. And, and I mean, we can talk a little bit more about what happened with Combine. I remember it very vividly because, I mean, Me too. I, w- I was the same age as a lot of the people who were killed because I was 15 at this time. Actually, I was I turned 16 the day this episode was supposed to air. Um, well, happy late birthday yes, from 27 years ago. Yeah. So yeah, it, this was Combine was the first like major, and it was massive, and it changed it changed yeah. everything. It changed the way schools are run. Because I mean, I also thought later on, it's like, oh God, if J- Jonathan brought a gun to school, he would not just be suspended. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean that was my thought is that Columbine was the incident that made school shootings a thing in the public consciousness yeah. as a general yeah. thing. Yeah. So when when Oz said it was trendy, getting trendy, I was like, really? Yeah, it was like a weird thing, but also it was just like you know the the twenty twenty hindsight of like you know if it was if it was trendy then, which it really wasn't, and then you think about what's going yeah. on now these days, mm-hmm. it just like really was just like oh my god, this is like, why did this have to be the prescient thing, you yeah. know? And and also it's so flippant from Oz, which nobody thought about at the time because yeah. how could they? It just like really hit me badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was an adult when Columbine happened, but I, you know, having been part of the the nerdy bully culture, etc., it like resonated a lot with me and, and my adult friends then, and also the fact that we were kind of counterculture, you know, and and the fact that it, it weirdly affected people who were like goths and and mm-hmm. and kind of offbeat because wearing black and trench coats, and it got like it, it got totally like misunderstood in terms of who and what actually perpetrated Mm. the shooting i definitely think the trendy comment would not have happened i mean obviously afterwards but if it was actually as common as the joke because i mean that's what the joke is that it's bordering on trendy and afterwards when it does become more common then it's a horrifying comment so i mean oh it is for i remember watching this when it finally was released going oh yeah there's a real good reason why they needed to pull. Yeah, no, it definitely. Like, it it really, and no one will ever talk about school shootings the way that the dialogue here does ever again. Yeah. Like on television, like it just would never like after this moment in time, these lines will never be written in any show. ever again. Yeah. This was such like a weird, like confluence of events that this should happen when Columbine happened, which really did change the way people look at media, look at schools. It, it, it affected so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just to get back onto the episode, cause I mean, we did skip a little bit when Buffy first gets her powers and she's talking to the gang, she's saying, it's like, it's like I'm walking into all of these different worlds, but now that she's, we're starting to have the turn suddenly she's saying all of these strangers are walking into my head 
So we right. had kind of this nice juxtaposition with Buffy. That is a nice juxtaposition. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think initially she thinks she can tr- she can control it too, mm-hmm. and it's not. And then all of a sudden, it's controlling her. Yeah. So she or she loses control. Yeah. So yeah, it it flips really nicely. But the Scoobs are going to go investigate, and then Buffy goes home with Joyce. And um, <laughs> I, well, I just have to say before we get into that, when it comes to Buffy's pajamas, brown cow studying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was just the. The, the first yes. thing that came into my head <laughs> Buffy when I saw the Buffy's pajamas always brown has cute brown cow stunning but brown Buffy stunning. always has the cutest pajamas always she does so it's like yeah. a characteristic of Buffy having cute pajamas yeah and I don't know anybody who wears pajama sets like that but Buffy rocks them so hard oh I used to buy does. cute pajama sets just like that because I wanted to be like Buffy but they were like not that comfortable <laughs> So I went back to just sleeping in a damn t-shirt. I always find them to be too warm. Well, time of year would, you know, depends. But certainly in Sunnydale, I would think they'd be warm. Even in this time of year in Canada, I get too warm in pajamas. But then we have the most important part of the scene. That you had sex with Giles. You had sex with Giles? Like twice? Twice on a police car. (laughs) And and I have to say that particular scene made me extremely happy because I'm going to put in a plug for my essay in uh, Outside In Takes a Stab, which was band candy. So it's like, you know, the, this is like the shoe drops. This is like the punchline to my entire essay. Yes, and I'm happy, it, so. it's, it's a brilliant callback. Yeah. And I remember up until this episode, I didn't think Joyce had had sex with Giles. Yeah. I thought they just like made out a bit on the car like i never thought they but apparently they did well apparently this is why jane put this in the episode because she had a lot of people say that that she just thought they just thought that joyce and giles had made out and she's like what are you guys crazy joyce hit that (laughs) (laughs) why yeah i mean she'd be stupid not to you were teenagers yeah it's (laughs) it's so great like we have the little almost comedic trilogy of this uh, the band candy where it actually happens this episode where buffy finds out and then in um who are you one of my favorite eliza deliveries (laughs) my mom thought you were a stevedore in bed what's a stevedore (laughs) (laughs) and i'm mentioning that now because we're still like a season away from that (laughs) it's great no that's also one of my very favorite yes. mm-hmm. and i love i love joyce's thing right like just before buffy reads it she's like i have laundry it's <laughs> 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 just like <laughs> and you're like hi your daughter's really sick and you have laundry why 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 are you, why are you so obsessed with the laundry <laughs> you know there's a lot worse things in people's brains. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. About. So there's yeah. like, you know, her finding out, okay, mom had sex with Giles. Well, gross for Buffy, not in general. Cause right. Mm, yeah. um, <laughs> but there's probably a lot of worse things that go on in people's brains. So, Hell yes. you know, she got off with lucky. Yeah. There, I mean, like there's a lot of terrible things that she could have found out. Like intrusive thoughts are not anything to, to fool around with. But we get the gang investigating. Oh my god, the investigations are hilarious. They are. First of all, we got Willow being such an awesome leader. In a way, she it's almost like foreshadowing 
going to like her dark side because she's like kind of nasty. I mean, in a good way, but she's like kind of evil in the way she's dealing with people and the way she's treating them. And she's like getting off on being in charge. So well, I think when, that's a little bit of a, a hint of where she's going to go later on. Well, in a I, good way. Well, I think when she's interrogating Jonathan, yes, I do agree with oh, you yeah. about that. But when she's talking to the gang, I think she's just trying to be like all, you know, let's have all of our ducks in a row. And, you know, she, yep. she she's, it, this is trying to, I, I would actually say the opposite. It's it's not that she gets off on being in charge. It's that she wants everything to be done properly. Well, I think not just that she wants it to be done properly. She thinks it's very important yeah. that it's done yeah. properly. Yeah. It's not just her particular personal thing. Yeah. I, I, I it's almost, she, she's almost a little OCD. Um, yeah. About yeah. I was it, just and, thinking that. The other thing is I'm happy in in another way, though, because it's just like, you know, because Willow had been so passive, et cetera. And now we're seeing her being very much like assertive mm -hmm. and, and taking charge and, and taking care of things instead of like letting everybody else do it and being, you know, all flighty. And I don't know. I don't know. So that part was good. But, yeah, I, I just mm -hmm. I noted that as we go along in the scene, these scenes, there's a little bit of like the darker side of Willow that we didn't necessarily know about before. Well, Willow does love to interrogate Jonathan because this is the second time we've seen her interrogate Jonathan. And yes. um, I feel like, I mean, I'm not trying to blame Willow or anything, but I feel like what Willow said to Jonathan might have pushed him over the edge. Hmm. I feel like she was treating him fairly not nicely and just what she was saying to him might have convinced him it's like oh well i should do this because i don't think jonathan had made the choice yet because i mean obviously he didn't have to he he only has to make the choice by the next day and i it, it's i mean i'm like i said i'm not trying to blame willow for it but i could see it being a contributing factor to mm -hmm. Jonathan's i mindset. think that jonathan probably on and off definitely had ideation for quite a long time oh yeah i mean he knows where to get a gun it's not like he went out and bought something uh but it could have been that just spark to be like well remember those plans i made and how i look you know know where my dad's gun is and how to get into the yeah i yeah. mean i don't know it's it's just so it could just be such a small thing to set somebody off to why they finally decide to try and do something like that, which is why I think that th the Willow scene might have contributed. Uh, yeah. But I, on the funnier side of thing, I love that Oz is the only one who actually uses the sample questions. <laughs> yeah. And I like that this Logan, is it Logan? Hogan. Hogan. is like really thinks about it. And, like, his persona so far in the episode is the little we see is this very jovial, very nice yeah. guy to people, like the jock that's like that. And he actually is probably on the inside, like, well, yeah, I, I do worry about disappointing people. And the, and then just the visual of that guy standing next to Seth Green. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, that is a tall dude, and Seth is not, not. a okay. tall dude. So... I listened to Seth on this modcast, Kevin Smith's podcast, and Seth Green said that if he were to ever write a memoir, it would be called My Life on Apple Boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Which for our listeners who don't know, Apple Boxes are what uh, actors stand on to um, be in screen with somebody if they are particularly short or if the other person is particularly 
particularly so tough. basically yeah. every movie Tom Cruise has ever done with a love interest he was yeah. constantly on an apple box yeah. Robert Downey Jr. on a lot of apple boxes oh yeah Dan- standing yeah. next Coleman to and like every episode of Doctor Who on many boxes because she's like 4'11 or yeah. something so, yeah yeah well, short people and, and also if you somebody's particularly tall even if you're normal height just to make sure that you know they're not cut off heads or yeah whatever so, yeah, just yeah. The nature the, so. same frame. So. There's a famous incident on uh, Hitchcock's Notorious where uh, Claude Rains was much shorter than Ingrid Bergman. Really? And, uh, and, yes. I mean, they were and, short, but I didn't realize they were shorter than no, Ingrid. No, she's shorter. He's shorter than Bergman was. And so as not to make him look shorter, they had to, I'm sure they put him on a lot of Apple boxes, but there's one scene where they're walking towards the camera. Oh. So you can't use an Apple box. So like, if I remember correctly, they literally had like a plank he was walking on, oh. and they held, they raised it as he walked, okay. <laughs> so that he would be oh, at a, a okay. standard height, commensurate with Bergman as they walked towards the camera. <laughs> there's, there's also like a, a, a Monty Python episode where they're shooting a film of Scott in the Antarctic, yes. and there's a whole thing about somebody standing on a box, and then the other person being tall, and they have to like, so he's standing in a ditch, and yeah. you know, it, it gets. Oh uh, yes, it's Carol Cleveland. I played Lady Macbeth in a ditch. I yeah. <laughs> I think one of my that. favorite was actually um, on the first X Men movie. Both uh, was it James Marsden and uh, Hugh Jackman are basically the same height, but mm. Wolverine is supposed to be like a foot shorter yep. than yep. Hugh Jackman actually Everybody. is. Yeah, <laughs> so they put uh, James Marsden. Yeah, it's James Marsden. Um, Marsden. Uh, on an apple box uh so that they would actually like look like the correct height <laughs> so afterwards Hugh Jackman sent James Marsden a an apple box and he was like so you can reach your sink <laughs> <laughs> but and then things move on further and this is where I first went Xander sucks they are dealing with something super serious here they think somebody's gonna shoot up the school and he's trying to pick up girls. Fuck yeah. you, Xander. Like, yes. I, I mean, okay, Cordelia's blunt, but at least she's trying. It's for the yearbook. Right. And it's also, are you going to kill everybody? Because she does not want people to die. Xander's suddenly thinking with his dick again. Yeah. And, and, and we see that a lot from Xander in this episode, where mm-hmm. it's like, Xander, like, this isn't, okay, it's not world in peril, but it's your world in peril. Like this school is going to be hurt from a very real thing. And this is actually kind of what makes this episode terrifying is that the supernatural elements in it are really background. Yeah. The major problems with this are all very real world. Like we've stripped Mm -hmm. away the metaphor. Like there's a school shooting happening. There's somebody trying to commit suicide. This is stuff anyone can deal with. Which is why this episode is so good, because this is a dark episode, but it's also super funny. Mm-hmm. I love this one so much. In retrospect, the real world problems are even more real world than they were at the time. So yeah, it's like very heavy duty. But Buffy is just overwhelmed with all of the thoughts that are happening. And Giles and Wesley are trying to you know figure out what's happening. And is this our first instance of Burke? I made yes, a note of that, so I was wondering. <laughs> I like how our, we're all Anglophiles, so we're all like, he said Burke. 
Right? Like, how to get naughty words through the censors when oh, American censors oh, don't Josh loves to get naughty words through the censors with his English characters. Oh, yeah. He loves it. Yeah. Like his favorite thing. Yeah. yeah and so I, I had mean, a big giggle. This one is particularly like, uh, for our listeners who don't know, Burke is Cockney rhyming slang. It is short for either Berkeley or Berkshire, depending I on. I think it's yes. Berkshire, Ber- yeah, Berkshire it, Hunt. It's Berkshire Hunt. Yeah, usually. Berkshire it could Hunt. Be Berkeley Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Which rhymes the, with. Which rhymes with, yeah. Starts with a C. And there you go. Well, I'm Buffy. You'll always see you next Tuesday. <laughs> and, and the funniest thing yeah. is that. Like in the UK, it's it's loaded, but it's not. I mean, it's in Harry Potter. At one point, somebody calls like Percy a Burke. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is like, wow. I was amazed she got away with that over there. But. Yeah. Well, I think Burke is less charged than the actual word, and the actual yeah. word in England is not, is not, not as right. yeah. yeah exactly. But in the U.S., yeah, that that was a big like stood out, and I had a good giggle over yeah. that. And mm-hmm. I actually think like even in the UK, the the C word is also it's changed like in, in the last couple of mm. years, I think. So, I mean, cause I think a lot of people's feelings about it are getting a lot more serious. Um, yeah. And as we're in a more global community. So yeah, but we get some fighty fighty fight with angel and scabby demon number two. Like go good. Get in that heart there. Angel dude. Except he doesn't actually get it yet. Yeah. he He's working on it. Because he, he runs off after the demon. Well, way to be proactive, dude. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the more Buffy being tortured by her thoughts, not really, just kind of Sarah getting to thrash around in bed in, you know, brown cow stunning pajamas, which I don't know. I would probably be a good day at work. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite scenes of the investigation. Of course it is. I immediately went, mm, Larry. Yeah. MC's gonna love this. Mm. Larry. Well, I mean, it's like we have not seen Larry. So, like, we saw him kind of in the background of the cafeteria scene just to justify this scene. But I mm-hmm. love this scene. I I want to go to the alternate reality where Larry lived and Xander was the one to come out because they seem like they would be such a good couple. Except Xander's <laughs> an awful human. Well, maybe if he, like, realized that he was gay and got together with Larry, that he would have been a better human. Yeah, I, I got a little bit of, like, no no excuse the expression, but, like, no homo vibes from, like, Xander again. But I love Larry. Like, Larry is being, like, you know, very supportive and, and trying to be helpful and, and caring, and Xander's just being a dick. So... I said, I I wrote, I'm glad you're out there living your truth, Larry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm so out. My grandma's setting me up with guys. But I, I thought that was so cute. <laughs> He's yeah. just, he's such a different, he's the same character, but he's such a different character than the one we first met when he's, you know, like harassing women and just being like a total jerk. He seems so much more comfortable in his own skin mm-hmm. and like such a nicer guy. And I love the way he's just trying to help Xander come out, like just yeah. like, giving him advice on how to do it. It's like, I, I really do think that Larry had a crush on Xander. I think so too. Maybe. Yeah. I think that Wish First Larry totally had a crush on Oz. Did we well, talk about that in that episode? We did. We yes. did. So I mean, we did yeah. talk about crushes. We talked about how they might just flat out be together because that's Oz true. Is, that's right. Oz yeah. is queer. Like, that's just a fact. Oz is like, sure. I like you. You like me? 
Just do it. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, this has nothing to do with this episode, but I'm going to mention it anyways. But in my watching of various all over the place episodes of Buffy and Angel, I ended up making a tweet the other day where it was just like, you know, when I was growing up watching Buffy, Willow was my favorite character, but I realize now I just want like Tara and Oz to run off together and be queer best friends. <laughs> you have a nice queer platonic relationship? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Actually, I won't, I want Tara and Buffy to run off and not be queer platonic. <laughs> I just want them to be super queer together. <laughs> I, I, mean, I, I am I am a Buffy Terra shipper for sure. I can see that. But we have the gang get back together to, you know, figure out who's actually done it. And they haven't been able to uh, find Freddy yet. And I love Cordy's line of, we can't figure out if it's him without the worksheet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's it's, Cordy. Yeah. <laughs> And again, Buffy is tortured, but Angel comes in with the potion and saves her. Buffy get, drinks the, you know, Probably I don't know. Potion. It looks like the stuff that's in the um, the snap bracelets, you know, that they, they, they yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that stuff is, but the demon brain is meat just floating in it and the, the bottle the uh, vessel was capped so sarah didn't have to actually yeah i think so yeah. i mean <laughs> it almost looks like they could have taken like what was inside of a lava lamp jane espenson mentions that they're the, like they were kind of concerned that it looked too much like a lava lamp mm-hmm. <laughs> that was very it's possible a like a lava lamp under a black light but, yeah but yeah. not bad i mean it's demon blood like we don't know what demons oh no mm-hmm. yeah they would look good at a rave those demons because yeah. Under the back black light, it yep. would be like, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> um, and then the Scoobs confront Freddy about it. And um, Oz's reaction <laughs> to the review just. It's fair. It's fair. It's fair. Oz is so good in this episode, y'all. Why would Freddy think that Oz was going to come storm the castle? And like, does anybody know? I mean, anyone that knows Oz for even like five minutes would be like, why would you avoid Oz? Yeah. Unless he was a werewolf. Right. Unless unless it was Wolfie days. But I don't think Freddy knew that. (laughs) Again, the very subtle acting. Because I mean, Oz is like, it's fair. But you can see his face kind of fall. And Willow immediately starts to stroke his arm. It's so cute. And also, shut up, Xander. Larry is not the kind of guy who would force somebody out of the closet. No, he wouldn't. Like I, I did. Mm -hmm. Like I mean, I get what the joke is, but it's like, yeah. I mean, I guess as a straight man, Xander does not realize how most people, any respectful person in the queer community, would never out Mm. somebody else intentionally. Like that's. That's yeah, and that, but that's, that's a throwback to like the, this whole like you know Xander's like internal like homophobia because it's just it's it's constant like that. It's just, like yeah. stop. But so. I mean, I can also see like why there could have been Xander being gay. Like why this could have been a clue because for somebody like Xander, I could see him being like in very deep denial because I mean he's aggressively like not wanting people if, to if he had gay. turned out to be the gay character i would agree with you but the yeah. fact that 
he's not it just irks me more because we know yeah. where this is going and yeah if, if there had been a reveal later which was i guess wasn't that joss was like wasn't jo sure who the gay character joss was going to be setting at that up time? both and actually i have found uh, i have found interviews that have said that or maybe not in interviews but like trivia they were leaning towards xander originally which would have made a lot more sense overall, especially with the fact that they were seeding it, et cetera. So, yeah. 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 Well, I think basically Xander's not gay because Seth Green left. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. And they liked Emma Caulfield. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Emma Caulfield. Yeah. yeah, Emma Caulfield's yeah. great. So. And you notice Freddie's just sitting there when they're talking about murder and telepathy and just like yep. no fucking reaction. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Welcome to Sunnydale. Yeah. Uh, and when they leave, he kind of has a little look, but it kind of immediately goes to, eh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Sunnydale. And um, they realize that it's Jonathan. And one scene that we did miss before is we got the scene of Jonathan in the tower starting to assemble the gun. Yeah, which is the whole the Lee Harvey Oswald moment, like yeah. literally. Yeah. No, it's just, it's so creepy. But then we get the Scoobs trying to find Jonathan because Willow has gotten the letter and realized that it's him. Yep. And fuck you, Xander, again, because Xander's looking around and immediately goes, ooh, Jello, and starts to go to find Jello. It's like you are looking for an attempted murderer. Like, right yeah, now, right but, this second. But of course, this is ironic because... As we will find out momentarily. Yeah. As solves... a result, he saves the day. Yeah, I know he does <laughs> save the day, but still, I hate him. And it's a oh, shitty way. For, it's a oh, shitty reveal to do it because, him. yeah. <laughs> I'm I, okay. I will actually say, like, I love this episode so much. This is pro. This is going to be in my top five of the season. I'm almost positive. I just don't know where it's going to land. After the whole Jonathan thing is done. When we're actually trying to find the whole who's the actual killer thing, the episode falls apart. Yeah, it's just like lame. It's like the weirdest and lamest denouement ever because it's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I agree with you. But the the it's it's like basically you know squirrel. It's like can you like focus on something other than just you like your damn stomach, your damn like dick for five seconds, yeah. Sander, and look at the big picture. Like, can we focus, focus, focus? <laughs> no. So no, the answer is no. It's Sander. Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be people who would argue, well, teenage boys, yada, yada, yada. But no, because mm. look, we've got Oz and, you know, other people that are actually paying attention to what's going yeah. on. And yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, the, the Jonathan thing is, like, shot for shot for, like, some other show that had the Lee Harvey Oswald thing. Because Possibly. it was just, like, yeah, it was just, like, the setup was just, like, exactly the tower and the gun and the putting mm -hmm. together. And it was, like, that whole dramatic thing, so... I love Cordelia grabbing every short guy she could find and turning them <laughs> around and looking really closely at them. It's like, are you Jonathan? Are you Jonathan? Because I can't remember what you really look like. Because, yeah. yeah. If and, Oz's hair had been the wrong color that week, she would have yeah. <laughs> yeah. been behind him and like, black oh, wait, no, I know you. You're Oz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the sequence of Buffy jumping up into the clock tower. Mm -hmm. I love it. Iconic. Yes. 100% iconic. I especially like the flip over as she's like hanging by her hands and then like the, the, the flip over to yeah. get onto the roof instead of just pulling herself up. So it was very cool and very like, you know, chop sake movies and yeah. all that. So. Yeah, no. And Nancy's. Yeah. Nancy's. I could have done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I love that. Um, so we get to the other scene that Joss wrote. And I think that will shock nobody that Joss wrote the scene of Buffy and Jonathan talking. Really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure Jane probably like had some contribution uh, to it. But from what I hear, Joss did do the bulk of it. I get the feeling she did write a scene and then Joss rewrote it. But yeah. he may have rewritten it so much that it was no longer anything to do with yeah i just thought like danny was amazing in this scene yeah brought me to tears um i had a couple of like issues though first of all it's like for somebody who's had like suicidal iterations myself but not that kind it's like that gun like Mm -hmm. trying to commit suicide with like a long power rifle with the scope and the that's like what yeah it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm not making fun of anybody but that's like really hard to do this I, is why handguns are like the number I did one think of that. Yeah. yeah i thought like, of that i did too. too i think everyone's thought yeah. of that when they yeah. watched this episode but they, they chose, my assumption uh, my they, assumption is that's the easiest gun he could get hold of yeah that's that's how i'm explaining it in in universe obviously they picked that gun for the red herring of it um, yeah for sure but, but yeah, yeah my 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 thought was always like, that's like a hunting rifle with the, like his dad is a hunter and he knows yeah. how to get that gun. Yeah. yeah. His dad does, you know, whatever. I, also, so weirdly enough, it makes me think of the breakfast club. Uh, I don't know who's familiar with that movie, but um, I haven't uh, anybody. Anthony Michael Hall's character is, <laughs> yeah. is in detention because he brought a gun. He brought a gun to school to kill himself and it was a flare gun. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of like the whole thing of, you know, I guess it was the only gun that Jonathan could get. But also, like, there's so many questions. Like, why did Jonathan decide to do it at the school? Well, he decided to do it at the school because he has to for the episode to work. Right. But yeah, and why the clock tower? Because you know, drama and all that. But yeah, yeah, it's just like that was the one thing. And yeah, I love the emotion of it. But kind of at this point, logic starts to. Yeah, I I, mm-hmm. I I really hate when I can't find a Watsonian explanation for things. It is my least favorite thing in. Well, yeah, I mean, there, there are, is not logical, so that's my Watsonian there. interpretation. Oh, there you go. Because I, I mean, I know people have committed suicide with rifles, etc. But it takes a whole like Rube Goldberg setting up and hmm. setting you know lines and this and that and generally not in a clock tower at school but yeah yeah just... and i i i think regardless of whether buffy had come to the clock tower i don't and i don't want to negate jonathan's pain and his feelings and his feelings that he wants to end his own life but i don't know ultimately if it would have happened yeah yeah i i don't I, i'm not sure i um, mean also like Maybe the reason for doing it in the clock tower is because so much of Jonathan's thing was nobody knows who I am. I just fade into the background. Maybe. And I, well, I mean, let's face it. Suicide is a very selfish thing. Maybe oh, yeah. something in his mind was if I do it here like this, nobody will ever be able to forget me. Oh, no, that's that, 100%. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, it actually is. is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I've always ascribed that sort of motivation to jonathan it's like okay you didn't notice me fuck you i'm gonna make you notice me yeah i mean i've never i've never really thought about it because i've never deconstructed this episode before i mean i love Mm -hmm. this episode and it is what this is one that i will i mean this would be one that's so easy to pluck out but i don't because i love it 
it does very much stand alone, but it's such a great episode. But I've never broken it down, so I've never really thought about what were Jonathan's like motivations for what he did. Other, but I did always think that the the rifle was silly. But I guess I thought that this is what he was able to get. Yeah. 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 I always thought that dad was a hunter or uncle was a hunter or someone. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's obviously. And then also, yeah, like his thoughts aren't logical when you're in that place. He's not, there's no logic. So the Watsonian explanation for it being illogical is when you're in that place, nothing is logical. Yeah. So there you go. From the perspective of someone who, you know, Mm. did psychology stuff, that's what I would tell a. That's what I would tell a, yeah. a client or a patient is like, I know nothing feels rational right now. Yeah. And yeah. The, the scene is Danny Strong is good. Sarah's good. The writing's mm-hmm. good. What I love about this scene is how Buffy is not coddling Jonathan at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's treating him very realistically. Just, it's like, yeah, things suck for you. Things suck for everybody. And like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. we don't notice that you're there. She's not trying to pretend that she's his friend. She's not being, it's like, mm-hmm. no, Jonathan, we all love you and we want to keep you around. Right. She's she like, says, honestly, yeah. you're right, Jonathan. I don't think about you. Yeah. 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 One of my favorite moments is when she goes, you know, I could have taken that from you at any time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I know. The two of them have really good chemistry. I mean, well, and that's yeah. like, like, like that moment. To me, it's like the thing is, you know, as you say, she, she's not coddling him. She's not playing to his to flattery and, or whatever. And she's being honest. But she also doesn't go the route of just kicking him in the face and taking his rifle. Yeah. yeah. She's like, you know, I could have taken that. Yeah. And he's like, I know. And and so she she really does. She doesn't insult him either way. She just for once treats him like a person. Yeah, and I, and I do like to reveal that, I mean, which it obviously is going to tie into the not-so-great ending, but when it, it turns out that, you know, no, he's not going to go mass murder everybody. He wants yeah. to kill himself. That's, like, a really good, like, punch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The way yeah it's that is set a punch up, in the gut. It is yeah. a punch in yeah. the gut. Jonathan's the Scooby that never was. And I know. So yeah. a lot, and it does... He does have I'm, such a good chemistry with Sarah, and on, I was thinking about it the other day. Not because of this episode, but actually one of the episodes I watched was Superstar. And I'll probably bring this up back, bring this up again when we get to Superstar. But I feel like, and I'm not trying to shade the Scoobies because I love them. But I feel like if Jonathan interacted with Angel Investigations after Superstar, he probably would have become part of Angel Investigations. Oh, that would have been sweet. Mm. That's yeah. th- that's just kind of like, I feel like Jonathan is that sort of damaged person. And I'm sorry to use the term damaged person, but just kind of like the, this outcast myth- misfit that needs, that I feel like he almost would have fit in with Angel Investigations better than with the Scoobs, mm. who, let's face it, are kind of full of themselves. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. them, but... They're, they can be, yeah, for sure. They're very, they're very clicky. They're very insular. Because I mean, even like the only people who really get passes to come into their little group are whoever you know the members of the Scoobs are banging, and even then, they're still outsiders. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. Jonathan was the Scooby that never was because Danny Strong auditioned to play Xander. Xander, yeah. Oh wow. And they didn't give it to him, but they liked him so much that. That's how he ended up in the unaired because 
Because right, yeah, Danny yeah. Strong, Danny Strong is in the pilot. Yeah, is in the is yeah. in the unaired pilot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so yeah, so he, and they decided to go a different way with Xander and make him less. They they got the like Hollywood um Hollywood homely, homely yeah Hollywood yeah. homely Hollywood geek, uh, yeah. person yeah. and Not of course that, they did the same thing with Willow yeah right yeah not that Danny Strong is homely at all if you're listening to this no Danny, no 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 you're and, and, super super cute little muffin that I want to keep in my pocket. <laughs> Yeah, but but he's not like hunk, you know. Not not that I think necessarily Nicholas Brown is hunky, but he's more hunky. Like Danny Strong could probably not have done the the go fish. Let, let's scene. let's face it, Joss couldn't project himself onto Danny Strong. The onto way Danny, yeah. yeah, I know, I know. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Um, Bingo. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, this so the the scene's so great, but then the episode starts to kind of fall apart because we realize that Jonathan wasn't going to kill himself and so that there's somebody else out there who was going to say that everybody was going to die and Xander goes to the back to get some jello and he finds the lunch lady who looks like she's out of a cartoon like in her mm, lunch yeah. lady outfit with her cartoonishly sized thing of rat poison dumping it <laughs> into <laughs> yeah it's like a Bugs Bunny cartoon it really it is, is. The gear, the gear shift here is nuts. It's like it is really kind of emotional cool. scene, and then this. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's like it's, it's literally acne rat poison. You know, <laughs> the episode goes off the rails, and they have the. I mean, granted, I think the scene of Xander like looking scared because he's being he's being caught eating Jello, uh, yes. and she's caught like poisoning them. And then that moment where Xander finally realizes it's hilarious, but I'm like, it's such like a mood whiplash that I don't like it. And yeah. also, oh my God, can we please talk about the stunt matching? Oh Jane my- Espenson even mentions it. <laughs> oh my God, the stunt matching is the worst. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I do feel for the lunch lady i don't because she's a like one, trying to be a mass murderer but yeah. like when i was working retail i swear i was the lunch lady in my mind some days as somebody who worked in food service like i never thought of poisoning anyone but believe me i did want to spit in some food sometimes i never did well- but as long yeah, as you're I, I, I worked retails and video store, et cetera. And yeah, there were times where I wanted to tell people where they could shove their videotapes, et cetera. So yeah. I was, I would always be like, I'm going to grab the rack of clothing, like this big metal, like grab one of the poles out of the rack and just bash you over. The, 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 the. But yeah. as long as you're only idly thinking about that, it's fine. Mm. Right. Idly. Yeah. You have to only idly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I see what you did there, David. Yeah, those revenge mm-hmm. fantasies are f- well and good as long as you keep them in your head. As long as you keep them in your head. Yeah. But we don't even, I mean, I, we sort of kind of know in a stereotypical way why Lunch Lady has, like, lost it, but not really. I mean, we never quite yeah. get an actual, like, this happened or this is why I've had it with you kids. It's just, you know, die, die, die in a cartoon wacky well, way. And well, it, she she's said like, they're all vermin. Right. Yeah. What? Which you all it, eat filth, but you cook it, lady. So, like, what? It's interesting because you know it. It kind of weirdly matches up with the janitor. Which what janitor? The janitor that Buffy sees when she's first getting the being able to read people's thoughts. Oh, that was a, oh, that was a teacher. 
No, no, I think they was oh. a janitor. This it, when they said like it would if all... only we could get rid of all the students. Yeah, that was yeah. a teacher. You sure? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. he's wearing a janitor uniform. No. I could be wrong, but anyway, but but him. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I could see that. I mean, like at this point in the episode, I don't care. Like, because that like scene with right. Jonathan was so emotionally draining. It's like. At, I'm mad at at this end scene, but also not too mad because it's like, well, we have to wrap this up somehow, but we don't want to spend yeah. too much time on it because the emotional everybody's emotionally drained now. Mm-hmm. But they could have done a better job with stunt matching because it's so bad. Oh, yeah. It's like I don't. I think this might be the absolute worst that it is, happens. Uh, on the show. Uh, I mean, and there's some pretty bad ones through the course of the show, yeah. but yeah, this is pretty much the worst. Yeah. Uh, but then we get a scene with uh, Buffy and Willow <laughs> briefly, and then G- and Giles. And I just have to say, Buffy's outfit. Oh, oh my god. god! The white skirt and like the sheer bottom part, and oh my god, yes. Yeah, with, with the, the shoes. shoes and it's the, it's oh. it's very nineties boots, but gorgeous. I don't know. I would almost still wear. Actually, the '90s stuff is back in, so those boots would be like on point. Yeah. I if, yeah. if I looked like Sarah Michelle Gellar, I would wear that entire outfit. Like I don't think it would look right. My on me, my very favorite one is the one she was in earlier with the like pencil skirt with the detailing on the bottom and mm-hmm. the. I didn't love her shoes. I thought like a, a like a slight Mary Jane would be better with that. But other than that, and her hair's got that. Mm-hmm. She's got that little silver headband, wispy thing and the oh it's my favorite buffy outfit of all time well it's funny you should mention her outfit here because jane espenson's comment was i don't know what's up with that skirt i love that see i liked it i am simply reporting because i'm the only one who listened to the commentary that was like very in then if i remember because it was like it was the bottom was sheer and the top part had like a, a slip lining part of it so then there was like that was when everybody was wearing like mesh tops with like tank tops with, over it and stuff like I that. Still so do that it was very very in there yeah but i mean like mm. i love it's this, back in i love this way. boat neck sweater that she's wearing that's just it's mm, so sleek with the skirt and i mean it's it's such a simple outfit like it's all black and white but it's beautiful yeah, the, the wardrobe people for. in this it episode really is. just like perfect. We're 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 burying the lead here. <laughs> on, yes. on but then she's talking to Giles and she's talking to Giles <laughs> and well, first of all, wow, this was so done in early nineteen ninety nine because Jonathan only got suspended for bringing yeah. a gun to school. True, true, true. Mm-hmm. It is the post-Columbine, like, the pre-Columbine, post-Columbine mindset. Like, because after that, that's when, like, you couldn't even bring fake guns to school. Like, yeah, and and metal detectors and all sorts of shit started going on. So, yeah, uh, because if this episode had been done, had been uh, written a few months later, then it would have been, like, Jonathan's kicked out of school. And obviously that would have been heartbreaking because then we wouldn't have gotten the scene with Jonathan at the prom. And that's such a beautiful yep. scene but yeah i that did just stand out to me as wow you this is really dating you and the most important part buffy calling giles out on sleeping with her mother and then him running into a tree yes, yes. <laughs> which was apparently anthony stewart heads uh tony threw that in uh he was surprised they kept filming <laughs> hilarious like it's, it's so the good. perfect button yeah, on that, I'm just like, mm-hmm. and the way she says, "If you're not having busy having sex with my mom," and he's boom, bam, yeah. yeah. 
Right. It's beautiful comic right. timing on his point it's too. Amazing. It just like works so amazing. well. Yeah. So that's the good stuff, yo. That yeah. uh brings us to the end of the episode. So final thoughts on earshot. One of my uh, favorite episodes of season three. Um and just wow. It it even with the, the, the down the, the stuff, the nitpicky stuff, it's still like a really fabulous episode. Yeah. Um yeah, final uh, pretty much um yeah, my only two thoughts are kind of off to the side like a do we have any idea what they do with demon bodies once buffy kills them i assume bury well i think in uh the wish they said that they needed to bury it because they don't go poof but that's actually the reason why they put in the vampires going poof because they didn't right to to be a yeah there yeah there is a scene and is it the way where she's complaining about yeah having to bury yes yeah Yeah. demon and then like there's another one where she's just like but I mean, like, one where she talks about like I do the slang and the boys bury the something. That's oh the no, way that, that was always... when they were digging up bodies to see if that they there were parts missing. There was yeah. someone. Oh right, 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 okay, that's yeah, okay. That's I was raised like... to believe that women have the babies and men dig up the corpses. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. But like, so, so, because she's all alone at, when she kills this demon, does yeah. she then have to like find a phone booth and say, "Okay, guys, come <laughs> okay. on, come on down, get, bring your shovels"? Well, considering how big the goddamn Watchers Council is, they should have somebody who's on cleanup. They should, but I don't yeah. know who because well, we all know the they Watchers don't. Council is useless. Yeah, like yeah. we know this. Uh, but like now, I have like visions of like you know Buffy having to drag like you know demon bodies <laughs> for miles, you know, like by the the arm or something yeah. to then dump them on you know Giles' doorstep or something. Yeah. <laughs> Here, <laughs> funny bit of trivia that has absolutely nothing to do with Buffy, but this this is why the car in Supernatural is an Impala because its trunk is because big enough to hold a body. <laughs> absolutely, there that you is, go. That is why. Yeah, and that is important thing to know. Was why they picked that car. Yeah. Yep. And my other thing is, I'm very, I, I am disappointed in Xander for a different reason than usual. Oh. oh. Xander, Xander doesn't twig to the idea that Buffy's going to go insane. That boy reads comic books. Yeah. If you've read any amount of X Men, you know that that's what happens to telepaths yeah. unless they get trained. Yeah. <laughs> Bad Xander. Bad Xander. Useless Xander. Useless Xander. Oh, Why do we keep you around? To eat jello. <laughs> <laughs> so, Andy, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, I love this episode. It's it's definitely up there. It's a classic. It's uh, Jane's writing is really great. I mean, it's just I love the way Jane writes characters because she really does now. Like I said before, distinct voices. You can always. Like, if you read, I'm sure if you read it, you could hear the voices, like, in your mind. She just really has a talent. And I just I just really like her. Yeah. <laughs> just in general. She's just like a really great person. So, yeah, no, I love it. I love it. It's a great episode. I've always really enjoyed it. Yeah. No, I, watching this, it's like, I always knew I liked this episode. But in, like, breaking it down, I'm like, I didn't realize how much I liked this episode. Like, really I good. really like yeah. it. Um, the only thing I have a problem with is how everything kind of falls apart after mm-hmm. the whole Jonathan scene, but it, everything's so short. Like, I think the episode's only five minutes longer after that. So it's like, it doesn't bother me too much that the, the main conflict actually doesn't factor in too much to everything. Mm-hmm. So whatever. It's very cool. 
I love this one. And I'm sure I'm going to be talking about it more when we get to our season three wrap up, because I know this is going to be on my top five. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of trivia, most of it we've already talked about, but there was a line cut from the opening when Buffy's fighting the demons. The line was, say uncle, oops, no mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. That's, That's good. a good one. Very Buffy. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of foreign titles for this one. This one got got changed around a lot from different places. Now, most of them are just kind of variations on voices or thoughts, but there's a couple of them that are interesting. The Reach of the Voice is the Brazilian title. Uh, the Reach of the Ear is the Spanish title. And probably my favorite one is the Polish title. Which is okay. Secrets of Healthy Skin. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I don't. What? Because Buffy's like scratching her hand. <laughs> so they called it the Secret what? of Healthy Skin. I guess it's, you know, the tie in with her line about Lubriderm. I... <laughs> Which is really good product placement. Yes. Girl. All those wacky poles. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I resemble that remark. Hey, I'm Polish too. Don't. <laughs> I'm Polish on my father's I'm sorry. Yeah. Wacky is now an insult because both of y'all are way wacky. <laughs> As a wacky human, yeah. Myself, I wacky recognizes wacky. Wow, I didn't mm. realize how many Polacks there were on this podcast. Uh, David, are you half or whole? Uh, half. Yeah. But- but fully half my 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 both my grandparents. Yeah, same thing on my dad's side. And, and actually, Warsaw. Actually, um, my dad was Polish when he was born, even though he wasn't born in Poland. I feel like the odd Mexican out. Uh, apparently, <laughs> it, it takes one and a half Polacks to make a Buffy podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but can we screw in a light bulb? <laughs> <laughs> need to ask Logan. If yeah. <laughs> Uh, the music in this episode was all uh, Christoph Beck. Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it. Nothing was uh, titled. It was all just you know, original score from Christoph Beck. So, uh, and but I mean, we always love hearing Christoph. He's so good, he, and um, he did do some really nice stuff in this episode. But yeah, uh, so I think that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, one Ooh. we all really like, and uh, I think next week we'll have some feelings about the episode because next time we'll be reviewing choices so until then grr arg grr arg grr arg we'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared liked, and subscribed on social media. If you'd like your questions or comments read on the show, you can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube, Tumblr, and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, on Twitter at Hellmouth Return, or on email at returntothehellmouth at gmail.com. We'll be sure to read your comments on the show. Be sure to rate our show at iTunes and Stitcher, and check out our show merchandise on TeePublic and Redbubble. Also check out our sister podcasts, Drag Hags, and the Trash Compactor podcast. See you on Tuesday. Grr. Arg.